It's the Ruby on Rails podcast. I'm Jeffrey Grossenbach. Episode 73, April 21st, 2008. Apologize for being absent without leave for the last couple of weeks. I had a child, little son, and uh, been very exciting, but didn't leave a lot of room for keeping up the Ruby on Rails podcast. But fortunately, getting back to kind of a normal work and life schedule, always an exciting time. Today, an interview from San Francisco with Nathan Sobo, author of The Treetop Gem, which is a language for describing languages. He also would like to thank his employer, Pivotal Labs, who has supported the development of Treetop and also offers Rails consulting services. The Ruby on Rails podcast is sponsored by Atlantic Dominion Solutions, located at techcfl.com. ADS is a web development innovator that specializes in building user-focused Rails applications and enhancing their performance with Amazon Web Services. ADS also provides 24-7 monitoring and management of EC2 deployments, as well as fully managed hosting on virtual servers optimized for Rails applications. So it's the Ruby on Rails podcast Last little interview here in San Francisco with Nathan Sobo, working on many different projects, one of which is Treetop, which I wanted to ask you about today. So, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Now, I have to admit, even though I'm uh, part of the Seattle Review Brigade, where every other person is required to write their own parser, virtual machine interpreter, whatever, just to be entered into the meetings, uh, I haven't done much of that, although I did read the Dragon book. Didn't understand much of it, but uh, anyway, Treetop. Oh, you haven't read? Okay, no. Well, half the people there hate the Dragon Book. They're all oh, that's awful. It doesn't talk about new stuff. But hmm. but Treetop, it's a what? What is it? Uh, it's a parser generator. So people that have done Lex and Yak, uh, it's basically one of those. But the technology underneath it is a lot different. In a lot of ways, it's a lot simpler, both to implement and to understand and use. So uh, it implements, the, or the parsers that it builds are memoized recursive descent parsers, uh, which is known like informally as a pack rat parser. And basically what that is, is you can imagine your grammar as just a set of mutually recursive functions, and every function call is memoized at a given index. It's pretty hard to do this just with audio because... Uh, Oh, that's uh, right. Get the idea. And um, so anyway, the idea is once you try to parse a given rule at a certain spot in the buffer, like say you look to see if there's a function uh, defined at position 53, because some rule above it depends on a function being defined at that spot. Uh, once you attempt to parse and succeed or fail at that spot, forevermore if you ever try to parse uh, a function at position 53 in the buffer, you just get the thing that you stored away, that you pack ratted away. It's memoized. And so that means that you can have rules that backtrack. So you head down a path, and it might end up being the wrong path. You back up, head down another path, um, and you never have to end up doing the same work over again. So it used to be that simple, naive, recursive descent parsing was exponential time, making it impractical to use in any real applications. Um, when you memoize it, it makes it linear time. You use a little bit more memory, but the memory usage is also linear. And 
just makes it a hell of a lot easier to implement the parser. Because if you don't memoize or you don't have this ability to backtrack, then as your parser is working, it always has to look ahead to make sure that it's not heading down the wrong path. Um, and if it heads down the wrong, and the old, if it heads down the wrong path, if you don't, if you're not willing to backtrack, then the parse fails. So you don't want to do that. So the way you look ahead is you write. You have to kind of contort the grammar in these various weird ways, and you have to do this thing called tokenizing, which means you run a regex, set of regexes over the buffer, and you split it up into these discrete um, units. And the problem with tokenizing, though, is you kind of have this step where you have to decide a lot about your syntax in a very global way. And so a lot of these uh, older parsers that use the look-ahead technology uh, do things like you have to shift the state of your lexer, meaning you have to the token you're looking ahead at, you have to be like, okay, well, I was looking for Ruby tokens, but now we're switching to HTML because they've escaped into the ERB or whatever, or out of the ERB, and now we're going to start looking for HTML tokens. But if your lexer is looking ahead like three or four tokens, then maybe you already have some Ruby tokens, like you've already consumed too far. And so it's just this very, uh, it's very intractable problem if you're dealing with any kind of sophisticated switching between grammars or trying to compose grammars at all. If you get rid of the lexer and you allow yourself to backtrack, that all goes away. It makes it a lot easier to work with everything. So just the- theoretically, in big terms, so would Treetop allow it to kind of simultaneously know about HTML and Ruby and exactly figure that out as it's walking through? Well, the idea is you can... It's, it's very composable. The grammars are f- fully compositional because a rule is completely self-contained. So if you start trying to parse a particular thing at position 55, you can just go and consume as much of the input as matches... Or, or, or it fails, or whatever, but there's no like global anything, so that means that you can take two, two arbitrary grammars and merge them together. They'll all work with each other freely. There's no... And that would never be possible with a lexiac solution. You can't really modularize, because that lexer is a very global thing. It's that first step you go through and kind of rip open the buffers, what I <laughs> sometimes call it. That being said, it... Um, you know, those are obviously serious speed optimizations. Um, but And you're taking memory at the... Or you're getting speed at the expense of memory, so TreeChop would maybe use more memory, but be faster and, and uh, able to do more complicated things? N- not really. I, I would say I'm getting... What I'm chiefly getting is more expressivity and modularity, just ease of use in writing the grammar, more straightforwardness in grammar writing. Okay. At the expense of more memory, um, and to a certain degree, some speed. Although I think the there's a Java implementation, which is actually the first implementation of parsing expression grammars that I used, or of a packrat parser generator that I used, and it was so awesome that I was basically addicted and never wanted to write a parser in any other framework ever again. Um, and it, it takes a special person to fall in love with a parser. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy that... Uh, the guy that implemented that did a study where he compared his rats parser against, I think it was Antler, but don't don't quote me on that other than it's recorded, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Um, and it was pretty comparable. I think it was a little bit slower, but it wasn't it wasn't horrible. So I think, yeah, use a bit more memory and maybe take a slight hit in the speed department, but it's not it's not horrible.
Now, a big thing in Pearl a couple years ago was, well, quite a few years ago, was parse rec descent mod uh, package for Pearl parsing recursive descent, but that seems like that was a completely different strategy of parsing. I think they even used that when they were starting to write Pearl 6. Hmm. I don't know if you've looked at any of I know that. I haven't really been a big Pearl guy. Uh, I've done a little bit of Pearl, and I know that they have, in Pearl 6, they actually have parsing expression grammar support built right into the language. And that sounds really great. I don't know when Pearl 6 is coming out. It seems like it just is like this end of the rainbow thing, but yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, this is a facility that'll be first class in Pearl 6, although from what I saw of their syntax, it kind of goes along with the rest of Pearl. Like, it's just a little... I, I'm not a big fan of the syntax they chose for some of their stuff, um, but but yeah, it's included. And basically, you can think of a parsing expression grammar as a set of named regexes that can refer to one another. So imagine inside of a regex, you could refer to another regex by name. That's okay. basically a good way of thinking about these things. So it's really easy to work with as long as you understand regexes on a basic level. There's it's only one more step to doing full context-free grammars. So, like, B and I'm kind of talking over my head here, but, you know, like, BNF syntax, you would have, still have some variables of sorts and revert to other sections, but this would be more, uh, treetop would be more built around regular expressions and in a... Well, it's form. not, it's, it's, that's not based, it's not regular expressions, but... Parsing expression grammars are a superset of regular expressions. Okay. Classic regular expressions. Perl adds all these bells and whistles and stuff, but like the classic finite state automaton based regexes are actually a subset of, of pegs, parsing expression grammars. Um, so if you're familiar with regexes, you've got the star operator cleaning closure, the plus operator positive closure. That stuff's all in EBNF too. Um, and, but parsing expression grammars are a little bit different than EBNF because EBNF you'd say like th this is this or that or that like the rules have these vertical pipes that, that indicate different possibilities parsing expression grammars syntactically they don't have vertical, vertical pipes they have forward slashes and what that indicates is it could be any of the following things but this is a prioritized list so first try to match this first option and only if that fails, go on and try to match the second. And so what that does is it makes it so that you don't have ambiguities in your grammar. Because one of the big problems with um, frameworks that are based on like generative, viewing a grammar as something that generates a language rather than something that recognizes a language, is there's these ambiguities where either of two different combinations of rules could have generated a particular string and then the user of the parser generator has to add some kind of meta rule or whatever that says, actually, even though either of these were equally likely of an, a syntactic interpretation, choose that one. And so that also lends to like a lack of elegance in those frameworks, I think. And then there's like generalized LR, which I don't know a ton about. I actually don't know that a much, like a ton about all the other types of grammars because um, they were all too hard to use for me. So I just wrote an implementation of this one because it's so simple. Um, but there's generalized LR, and it actually, like, gets you all the interpretations that are possible. Uh, and I don't know too much more than that about it. 
So you sp- spoke about Treetop at RailsConf in Portland, and at least in the halls, I heard a lot of people who were excited about the topic, and they thought that this was a really great idea, and uh, looking forward to having access to this kind of a library in uh, in Ruby. I'm sure you had reasons that you wanted to write this. Do you think that generally knowledge of parsing in and having access to this kind of tool is going to be useful to even, let's say, web developers in general, or is this such a specialized thing that... Uh, you know, only language implementers would really need it. I think up till now, parsing has been kind of the domain of the black, the black artists, language implementers that were willing to deal with all of the the vagaries of of the parser generators that were out there. And a big part of the reason I wrote this tool is I really think that yes, it's very important that the general programmer that isn't only implement, interested in language design have a command of context-free grammars. We use regexes. This is part of the thesis of my talk that I gave at RubyConf. We use regexes in our day-to-day lives, and you know, prior to a certain point in time in the mid-90s when Perl brought them in, uh, regexes were also the kind of the domain of only the language users. They were used to tokenize or whatever. I'm not totally sure about that fact, but it seems to be the case um, that that regexes, too, were once not as mainstream as they are now. And I think, you know, parsing expressions, a more generalized version of regular expressions, um, are really the next to follow. And there are a lot of solutions that people hack together with regexes. Kind of a pile of regexes and some ad hoc rules that iterate through a text file is such a common thing when you see someone trying to parse something. And a lot of these applications, not all of them, because a lot of times people are parsing stuff that's not context-free, but a lot of these parsing problems people are facing, they'd have much more maintainable software if they just applied a more theoretically sound uh, tool to the job. And I think people pull down any, frankly, in any language, whatever parsing expression, grammar, tool you can get your hands on. There's rats in Java. There's a bunch of them out there for OCaml. I think there's some C ones coming out. Perl 6 has got them, uh, and then Treetop and Ruby. Uh, it's, it's a really good spot to dive in if you want to get a little bit further than just a pile of regexes and some functions. And it seems like, especially in web development, yes, we feel like we're doing this cutting-edge stuff, but it's all, most of it's about text, whether it's XML or parsing addresses or uh, you know just other kinds of text that we generate as well, and having that kind of tool seems like it could be... Once you have a tool like that, suddenly some problems could become easier. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, if you're parsing dates, for instance, I don't even think there is really a really... I know there's Chronic for uh-huh. uh, for Ruby, but I've used Chronic and ran into things that were like, man, I wish it recognized this form of date. And I get into it, and it's not very extensible. It's tough to find the spot I should add my addition, and that's just because... It's not based on like a context-free grammar. It's based on regexes and then some rules that I don't understand. And I need to then learn unique every time. Whereas if there's just a generalized way of expressing every way that dates can look syntactically, uh, then it's very easy. And if it's a modular solution, I can. it's very easy to plug in my extra dates that maybe weren't included by the developer. And what you come out with is more... Uh, more intuitively extensible, I guess, I would say. And if we're thinking far into the future, uh, you know, Star Trek or something, yes, I'm going to just talk to this computer and it's going to understand what I'm saying. 
we want to get to that point to where we're interacting with computers at least from a user standpoint, in more natural types of ways of, yeah, expressing a date in multiple different ways tomorrow, five days from now, January 1st, and uh, at least we're going to need some tools to get there. Yeah, I think, I mean, a context-free grammar, like a formal grammar, like what Treetop implements or any of the parser generators out there, are going to do a reasonable job implementing a close enough date parsing solution because dates are sort of a fairly formalized language. Yeah. But obviously when you get into things like English sentences and stuff, um, the context-free grammar is just not a powerful enough solution to really yield us a syntax for that. There are others, there's really whole field out there of formal theories of grammar, not the Chomsky ones. Like uh, My favorite is... Um, combinatory categorical grammars where you view different components of a sentence as actually these things called categories um, which is basically like uh, to, to make a long story short you basically view different elements of the sentence as functions and then the functions apply to one another directionally and you kind of build up the meaning of the sentence through this kind of lambda calculus draped over the top of English so that's the kind of stuff, if we really want to do natural language, we're going to have to go toward. And our theories are not fleshed out as to how natural language can even be really formalized or represented at all. But for formal languages, yeah, I mean, it'll work. In the meantime, last last thought here. Would uh, a parser, Packrat parser, like Treetop, especially with a better, more uh, maintainable interface, is that going to allow different kinds of languages, let's say, to be designed that may be a little bit more complicated than we can do now just because it's so hard to work with, you know, Lex and Yak and those kind of things? I totally think so. Like, if you look at RSpec, for instance, one of the great things about Ruby, in RSpec and Rails and all of these embedded DSLs, is Ruby has this beautifully flexible, moldable syntax. And so you can write APIs that are very, I guess uh, it was... Who was it that coined the term the literate API? Basically, an API that has the feel of an embedded language while not actually having any custom syntax at all. But by giving us these fairly powerful syntactic tools that give us a linguistic facility inside of Ruby, we've come up with these whole new strategies of testing, like RSpec with nested describes now. Um, it's just a totally, like when you're in it, you really feel like you're in a different language and you're thinking differently in RSpec. Uh, Rails as well, like the ability to eval things inside of classes has all been great. And then Treetop, when I wrote the language for it, I actually didn't do it as an embedded DSL. My first take had to be, but then once I got the first parser going, I could then parse my own non-embedded domain-specific language to represent grammars. So I think if you look at the success of the embedded DSL in Ruby, and there are a lot of pitfalls with it too, I think people have expressed, because language design is hard, but any tool that can give us ability to experiment with syntax, experiment with language, and expressing ourselves in ways that some language designer we don't know didn't think of are going to give birth to new ways of thinking, new ways of approaching problems. I definitely think we should be pushing the envelope. And what I'm, you know, no promises ever, but I, what I think, one thing I'd really like to do in Rubinius is put Treetop on the front end of Rubinius and one great thing about Rubinius is you can like reopen the compiler, for instance, and change the way it behaves. 
like write. So imagine the first file you eval like reopens classes in the compiler and changes the way that the rest of the files you eval are compiled. So one thing I would love to see, and I think would be possible, is if Treetop ever got fast enough and we're on the front end of Rubinius, you could actually uh, over, override the syntactic rules of Ruby and insert your own constructs in on the fly. So that's kind of like a grand vision I have for a potential project, get extensible syntax in the front of our language. And then you're doing even better than you have with Lisp macros, because Lisp macros are very expressive, but they're all based on these fairly difficult to read S expressions, fairly primitive, but imagine, you know, fully moldable syntax at your own command. You don't have to like try to squeeze your expressions into the language itself. And all hell could break loose from that, but it also could lead to some great innovation, just letting things bubble up as people need them, letting things evolve naturally. Thanks also to Rails Machine for providing hosting and bandwidth for the show.